0: Uh, helps <clears throat> with the the, the uh, struggles here on earth, does it not? <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. <clears throat> Over the last three weeks, we have been looking at the 22 commandments that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we... Have covered eight of them so far, and uh, we have 14 left, and we are not going to cover all 14 this morning. We're actually only going to cover one. <clears throat> so, so far we've looked at to be an encourager, uh, be a builder, be aware, be a safeguard, uh, be at peace, uh, be a mentor. Be compassionate, be strong, and this morning we're going to be looking at commandment number nine. Now, I don't know that if any of the commandments that Paul gives us here in 1 Thessalonians, I don't know if one of them is more difficult than the other. Uh, Because we're all individuals, we're all going to have different seasons of, of life, But I believe that number nine, definitely, if it's not the most difficult, it is definitely one of the most difficult of the commandments that he gives us. 1 Thessalonians, let's start reading in verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and here is number nine. Be patient toward all men. Be patient toward all men. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at this idea of being patient, we ask that you would help us to fully understand the the implications of this very important concept. Uh, We love you and we thank you for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, number nine, be patient. How many of you would be foolish enough to say that you are patient? (laughs) Okay, none of us are. We all struggle with it in in some form or another. But Paul here tells us to be patient toward all men. The word patient here is a compound word. It it, it literally means long-tempered. Another word uh, that we see in the Bible is the word long-suffering. It's the same Greek word, and in some places it is translated uh, 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 patient, and sometimes it's it's translated into the word long-suffering, it's the same word, but <clears throat> the word long suffering helps us kind of get a little bit better idea, I think, of the word patience. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 86 and verse 15. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering, or patient, and plenteous in mercy and truth. In other words, the idea of being patient is the ability to hold one's temper for a long time. Now, <clears throat> don't ask me to define long time. Okay? Because I can't I can't answer that question in your life. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> we are going to Spend the entire service this morning looking at this word, patience. In Ecclesiastes in chapter seven and verse eight, it says, "Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof." How many times have you have you moved have you moved or moved someone? And and it's I, I often will say uh, as we're taking the last box out of the moving truck, well, we should have started with that one. Right? Y'all understand what I mean by that, okay? <laughs> Nobody likes moving, and the ending, ending a move, is better than the beginning of a move, is it not? Okay. Then he goes on to say, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So let's look at this word patience letter A and we're going to have we got I got several subpoints here so letter A what is patience what is patience first off it is an attribute of God first and foremost it is an attribute of God he is patient in many ways and I'm going to highlight 3 of the ways that God is patient the first one is he's patient with the unsaved. And I praise God for that. Because it was God's patience with me as an unsaved person that I finally came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Second Peter in chapter three, verse nine, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has given multiple examples in Scripture, multiple examples in Scripture of his patience with the unsaved. Peter reminds us of God's patience in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, he, God waited 120 years. God gave Noah the opportunity to preach the gospel for 120 years while he was building the ark so that the unsaved people would have a chance to get saved. Now none of them chose to be saved, but God showed long suffering. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, which things, <clears throat> excuse me, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. A 120 years God gave opportunity for men to turn their hearts to God. We see the the, the 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 long suffering or the patience with God even today. If you understand prophecy at all, there is nothing, there is nothing holding God back from coming except He's giving mankind another chance the long-suffering of God toward the unsaved. Not only is he patient with the unsaved, but he's patient with you and me, the saved. Paul expresses his gratitude on long-suffering uh, on, long on, on his behalf. In First Timothy chapter 1, and verse 16, it says, How be it, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first... Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should uh, hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I have to admit, out of all of the attributes of God, and I've talked about this many, many times, but out of all of the attributes of God, his patience with me is the one attribute that I think I appreciate more than all the others. Because I make a lot of mistakes. We all do. But God is always there to forgive. He's always there to to embrace me and allow me the opportunity to serve him. What an incredible thought. <clears throat> so He uh, he's patient with the unsaved. He's patient with you and me. But God is patient with the worst of the worst. Again, there are many examples of, in Scripture, of God's patience with the worst of the worst. But as I was thinking about it, I immediately thought of the story of Jonah. The city of Nineveh, God had had asked, well, he didn't ask him, he told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. And what did Jonah do? Jonah ran away from God. But see, you have to understand that the Ninevites were some of the most brutal people that have ever lived on the face of this earth. They were known for their hideous torture and br- brutality. And honestly, and I can say this honestly, if you if you can do the research and you can uh, uh, understand that what I'm about to say is true, the Ninevites made Hitler look like a Boy Scout he was that they were that brutal and just absolutely cruel people most theologians believe that's probably one of the reasons why Jonah ran is because they were such a cruel mean hateful people Jonah didn't want them to be saved But let me read you Jonah chapter 3 and verses 4 and 5. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. What happened when Jonah started preaching truth? They believed it. And they believed God. And they got saved. And their lives started to change. I am so thankful that God is a patient God. And to answer the question, well, how long is patience supposed to last in a person's life? Let God be your example. See, his desire is that all should be saved. Romans chapter 3 and verses 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul definitely understood and appreciated God's patience with him. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 15, Paul says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that that Christ Jesus is, came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. What was Paul saying here? Out of all the people in the world, including the Ninevites and the Hitlers and all of those people, he said, I'm the worst. What had Paul early in his ministry, I think we talked about it last week, What 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 did Paul do? He persecuted and killed Christians just because of what they believed. It is it, it, some theologians believe, and I kind of, I kind of, I, I don't know where I line up on this, but some some theologians believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was not necessarily something physical, but it was the mental block that he had to get over over all the faces of the people that he had killed. Can you imagine laying down at bed to go to bed at night seeing all the hundreds of faces that he had been responsible for either killing or imprisoning or, or torturing or whatever he did? It could be that that is the thorn in the flesh that he had to deal with. See, but Paul understood the patience of God. So, what is what is patience? First off, it is an attribute of God. Secondly, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter five and verse. Uh, <clears throat> 22 and 23. Now, before we read this, I want to I want to say this: it is the fruit of the spirit. It is not the fruits, plural. So the fruit of the spirit is all of these things combined. These are not individual fruits. Does that make sense? So we need to understand it as we read this. So the fruit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23 it says, but the fruit of the spirit. is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is the outward manifestation of what God is doing in your heart. So, in other words, uh, you know, uh, let, let me put it to you this way. Uh, the other day, Melanie and I absolutely got to enjoy one of the sweetest watermelons we've had this season. I, I, I love watermelon, okay? Uh, but it, this was one of the sweetest that we've had so far this year. And, and, and I told Melanie, I said, I said, it is amazing to me that you can take a little black seed, put it in the ground and water it, and something so sugary and sweet can come out of it. So, what, what, it, what am I trying to illustrate here? That little black seed produced fruit that was a joy to eat. So the fruit of the Spirit is, is evidence of what God is doing in your heart. When we don't lose our temper, when we should lose our temper, it is an outward manifestation of what God is doing in your heart and your life. Let me say that again. When we don't lose our temper, quote-unquote, when we should... That shows others around us what God is doing in our hearts and our lives. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all loneliness and meekness and with long-suffering and forbearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, number one, first off, what is patience? It is an attribute of God. Number two, uh, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And then number three, it is a demonstration of power. It is a demonstration of power. Patience requires self-restraint and careful planning. You do not, you do not become patient accidentally. You become patient because you plan on being patient. You don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm not going to lose my temper today. Because guess what's going to happen in about 10 minutes? (laughs) But if you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, it can become part of your life. When we lose our patience, it is a sign of weakness. Because the the reality is this. It is far easier to lose your patience than to keep it, is it not? That's why none of us like to talk about this word. In Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28, it says, He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words... If you lose your temper easily, you you're vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. This, that's what this is a picture of. Because if you lose your temper easily, then there's going to be other areas in your life that you're going to lose control of. And Second Tim, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God wants us to keep these things in in control in our lives. So, patience. We talked about what is patience. Now we're going to talk about what patience is not. Point number two. What patience is not. First off, it is not ignorance. You say, well, that's kind of an odd one. Well, maybe, but just hang with me. Hopefully you'll understand what I'm trying to say. God is patient and will forgive sin. Talk to me here. Is what I just said true? Hello? Yes. God, God is patient and will forgive sin. Often, though, we forget that there are consequences to choices. There's consequences to sin. Now, God forgives the sin. That, that, that Forgiveness is not the issue. But oftentimes, we make choices that put things into motion that we can't stop. God demonstrated long-suffering in the life of Samson on, on, on multiple occasions. But there were consequences to the events that he put into motion. In Judges chapter 16, verses 20 to 21, it says, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out uh, as at other times before and shake myself. And he winced not that the Lord was departed from him, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and, and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. There are consequences to sin. Now, did God forgive Samson? I, I believe He did because at, 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 the end of the, at the end of Samson's life, what did he do? God used him one more time, but he still never got his sight back. He was still caged like an animal. See, Patience is not ignorance. And as we deal with people, we need to understand that there are times that we need to be very patient, but we need to be understand also that there are consequences for our choices. Secondly, patience is not, is not Vindictive. <clears throat> Patience is not vindictive. Did we not have that slide? <laughs> nope. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. My bad. I, uh, I, I, a little technical difficulty on my part. Anyway, uh, it is not vindictive. In Matthew chapter 18, we see a interesting exchange with Peter and Jesus that I think will explain the, my point here, that, that, that it is not vindictive. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I shall forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee until seven, uh, uh, excuse me, not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, let me explain what's going on here because if you just take this at face value, you don't really understand what Peter's doing. See, the Jewish law said that you only had to forgive somebody four times. And if they if they repeatedly sinned against you a fifth time, then you could go after them with all your might. That was the Jewish law. So when Peter comes to Jesus and he says, hey, how many times should I forgive someone? 7 times Peter was being generous. Peter is saying, "Hey, I'm spiritual here. I'm going to I'm going to wait until I do it the 8th time, then I'm going to pounce on him." What did Jesus say? Patience is not vindictive. He says he says <clears throat> 70 times 7 or 490 times. So does that mean that you get to get, every time somebody sins against you, the same thing, you get out your iPhone and you you just put a check. Every time, every day. And then when it hits 491, pow! (laughs) Is that what he's saying? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't count. Because we need to be long-suffering toward all men. Now, me personally, I wish we did have a number. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's not vindictive. You know, patience is not saying, okay, just just one more time and I'm going to get you. That, That is not patience. What is patience? Well, we talked about that. We talked about what patience is not. Letter C. What is the opposite of patience? Basically, it's two things. First off, it's anxiety. If we are not patient, anxiety is almost certain to be part of our lives. Am I right? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. The word careful there literally means anxious, would be the 21st century word anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be anxious for nothing. I've read these statistics in church but it's been several years ago, so I wanted to read it to you again because I find this to be incredibly fascinating. There was a study done on the anxiety that people s- suffer with. Forty percent, forty percent of the people surveyed said, or, or they, well, they found out that they were anxious about things that will never happen. Forty percent, that's almost half. Forty percent about of, of people today worry about things that will never happen. How many of you have ever done that? We've all done that. Thirty percent worry about things in the past that cannot be changed. Again, we're all guilty of that one. 12% worry about things, uh, 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 criticisms by others that are mostly untrue. I am really guilty of that one. 10% worry about health, which gets worse when you worry. right and this is the number that to me is just staggering 8% 8% so so out of all the people that worry which is all of mankind 8% actually worry about real problems that they will face 8% Say, but Pastor, I'm in that 8%. No, you're not. <laughs> Can almost promise you. You may think you are, but oftentimes, see, and the, the reality is this if we have patience in our lives, then anxiety cannot exist. Now, are problems gonna happen? Absolutely. That that's part of life. Are we supposed to worry about those things? No, we're not. Be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. All your cares. All your care. The other thing that is the opposite of patience is discouragement. And it is the kissing cousin of anxiety. Because when you are anxious, what happens? You become discouraged. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the, the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. David was a man that learned the secret of discouragement. David... <clears throat> David is an interesting character uh, in, in in the Bible, and if you ever want to psychoanalyze a, a person in the Bible, try and psychoanalyze uh, 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 King David. He 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 was a mess. He was a good guy, but but he he would he would have really really high highs and really low lows. And he would ride this this roller coaster of emotions, oftentimes, to the point. Oftentimes, he would uh, you can see it in the Book of Psalms. You could see the the, the 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 depression that he was in, the discouragement. But in Psalm chapter 42 and verse 5, he wrote, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul?" You could see the the the, the, the discouragement. Can you not in those opening words? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him from the, for, for the help of his countenance. David <clears throat> understood what discouragement was about, but he also understood that when he was discouraged, he needed to turn to God. So, what is the opposite of discouragement is anxiety and discouragement. So, we've talked about what is patience, what patience is not, what is the opposite of patience, and letter D, how do we have patience, or how do we get patience? We all want that one, right? We all want to know the answer to that one. Well, actually, the answer is really, really simple. And that is to remember remember Isaiah chapter 51 in verse 1 is my favorite verse in the Bible this this verse has done more for me in my life than any verse other than getting saved this verse has changed my life hearken unto me ye that follow after or excuse me, ye that seek the Lord. No, I was right. Yeah, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. And you think, wow, that's kind of an odd odd verse. How many of you think that's a weird verse? Just be honest. Okay? Just you know, be honest. Okay? Now, I want to share with you what God has shared with me on this verse, because to me, this, this verse is life-changing, if you'll get a hold of it. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. I believe that that first part there, before the semicolon, that's a semicolon, right? Or a colon, colon, before the colon, the, that first part of the verse, before the colon, I believe is addressing the person who has a desire to serve God. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. So who is Isaiah talking to here? Hopefully he's talking to you and me. Okay, so after the colon, what does it say? Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. So let's look at the first part of it. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. What does that mean? Are we not made in the image of God? Who is the rock? Jesus Christ. Look into the rock from whence you were hewn. What, what do you think the word look means? Talk to me here. Come on. Keep your eyes on, consider remember remember Christ now the last part of this verse is it can be a little complicating because it's it, it's not normal way we would talk it, it, but it says and and so not only are we to look unto Christ but we are to look into the whole of the pit from whence we were digged Now, I'll be honest with you. When I came across this verse back about 25-ish years ago, it took me a while to figure out this last part. And to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Then it dawned on me as I studied and I prayed. and I I, 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 I studied this verse for weeks because I couldn't figure it out. Then it dawned on me one day, the pit from whence I was digged. See, Jesus, when I got saved, Jesus reached down in the pit of humanity, and he saved my soul. He dug me out of the pit, and he set my feet upon a rock. But that still doesn't complete this the, the thought. The whole of the pit from whence you were digged. The whole. My life. And and the, the, the picture I have is this 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 huge pit of humanity. And there are holes all over it. And when a person gets saved. God reaches down into that hole and grabs that person and pulls them out of that pit and sets their feet upon the rock. And the reality is this. The hole that Jesus Christ dug me out of is different than the hole that he dug my wife out of and that he dug Verlon out of. And that he dug Brandon. Every one of us has our own hole that he dug us out of. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence ye were hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence ye were digged. let's put it in 21st century vernacular. Those of you that have a desire to live for God, keep your eyes on Christ. Never forget. Never forget where he's brought you from. Never forget. Remember. Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you in your life. Remember what he's done. And I'll tell you what, if you will remember what God has done for you, it will help you be patient with other people. Because God has been so incredibly patient with me. I know what God's put up with in my life. God has been so patient with me. And when I remember how patient God has been with me, it helps me be patient with other people. I am not saying I am perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There are many days that I wish that I had a little zapper in my finger I could just go, zzz, gone, poof, gone. How many of you all ever thought that? See that's not God-like. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Remember. Remember, and then and then finally, letter E. Not, not only how do we have patience, but then this is, the, this is the tough one. Letter E, to whom do we have to be patient? Well, the answer is given to us, all men. Now, I hate, I hate to do this to you, but there's an understood truth here. Not only are we supposed to be patient with all men, but we are to be patient with all men all the time and for any reason. Sorry about that. All men, all the time, for any reason. We are to be patient. And the unfortunate truth is, there are some people it is easier to be patient with than others. Am I right? <coughs> First Corinthians 9, <coughs> verse 19, "For thou uh, excuse me, but for though I be free uh, from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more." 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22: To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might be all means save some. That excuse me. That that I might by all means save some. The last time I looked. Christ died for all men. John chapter 3 and verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, commandment number nine is probably the most despised of all of the commandments, (laughs) if, if I could say that. It's the one that we all know we need and it's the one that we all struggle trying to develop in our lives. Patience. Patience toward all men all the time for any reason. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. Lord, this area of patience in, in each of our lives is something that every one of us struggles with, every one of us, in, in some form or another. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us and or that you would help us to develop this, this, this godly characteristic in our lives so that others, when they see it, can look at us and say, there's something different about that person. Help us, dear God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, God spoken to your heart this morning? Could be this morning that somebody would say, you know, Pastor, the truth is God has spoken to my heart, but the, the reality is I've never been saved. I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. Is, is there anybody who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I might know Christ? If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you, I promise. Is there anybody that say, Pastor, God has spoken in my heart? There are some areas in my life, be it patience, or it could be anything that God is doing in your heart and life. Is there anybody that say, Pastor, God specifically has put his finger on my heart this morning. Would you pray for me? I need need prayer. Amen. If that's you, just lift your hand. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts we just ask that you would guide and direct and that you would help us all to serve you more, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.